Welcome to Inside the Bradfield Centre. I'm James Parton, Managing Director of the Bradfield Centre. And I'm Adelina Chalmers, I'm also known as the Geek Whisperer. Joining us today is David Wu, one of the members of the Bradfield Centre. David is a serial entrepreneur um, bringing his latest venture to Cambridge. I really look forward to hearing more about what made him come to Cambridge and what this latest venture is all about. So David, thanks so much for coming in today and having a chat with us. Very much appreciated. Well, thank you very much. I'm very excited. Good, good, good. Us too. Um, so it, it'd be great just to start off getting to know you a little bit better. So could you kind of tell us about your kind of background, your journey as an entrepreneur and how you got to where you are today? Yes, I started as an engineer in IBM Software. Uh, I had an uh, electrical engineering degree from Shanghai Communication Technology University, which is also Shanghai Jiaotong University in Chinese. Also, I get my uh, financial engineering degree from Columbia University in New York City. Okay. So after that, I worked for IBM in the financial uh, engineering or the uh, what they call banking security sector for writing software for a few years. Then after that, I go back to China to start my own uh, entrepreneurship business. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically, uh, I start, start two search engines. Uh, very luckily, both of them are listed on, uh, one is listed on NASDAQ, the other one is listed on uh, NYC. Uh, so it, uh, both are, uh, one search engine is for uh, chemical uh, database searching. We're providing uh, information and the transaction uh, pricing data for uh, customers. It's a B2B service. Uh, another search engine is for uh, consumer finance search engine. So we're providing uh, China credit cards uh, searching um, uh, services for users. So both companies doing fairly well. Uh, I was uh, uh, one of the co-founders. Okay. So I had a almost ten years entrepreneur experience. So, so you're very much a serial entrepreneur. Then <laughs> this is not your first radio. No, uh, it's my first radio here in Cambridge, but uh, it's not my first uh, startup company. Amazing. So this brings me to uh, very excited to start my own first uh, real uh, as me as a CEO mm. as a the founder uh, for a new project, uh, Tao, Tao Cambridge. It's about a serverless messenger. Okay. I will talk about more. Can I ask you, what problem are you trying to solve with this startup that's your own? I, I really like that question because we start a project from a pure technology curiosity. But once we dig more, we actually see there are some pinching problems really out there. So the, the problem I want to describe is something called big tech monopoly. Okay. So how we try to understand this problem? So first of all, who, who do, so do you think Facebook, YouTube, they're make, may, maybe they're making a little bit too much money or maybe even more than they were uh, expected? So it's clearly that this big tech uh, company, they are really overtaxing. What, what I, I would like describing is they're overtaxing for the data communicated, uh, data being generated and communicated through their platform. Uh-huh. So this is really causing problem for entrepreneurship for um, basically around the global, you, you actually see the big tech company only happen in United States, Silicon Valley, or maybe Beijing, China, because they have this big tech dominance over there. So what I call the big tech overtaxing on digital community. This is a bit, one very big problem. Another angle to look at the same problem is the control of information and control of user accounts rights over those information. So how do we feel? We're very clear about the information control, right? There's too much talking about that, it's, you know, especially right now it's happening. We chat what's happening going on this, this weekend. Um, another angle is really look at the control of accounts. 
for example, as an opinion leader of YouTubers, you really want to have communication uh, with your with your fans, communities. Mm -hmm. But those actions are really controlled by the platform. So you, do, you don't really get a variety of the creative communication or uh, use accounts rights for those uh, with, your, with your community. So these are much very much restricted. So that's why we think the big tech monopoly is actually uh, 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 restricting the progressing of digitalization. And especially the young generations, they're, they're born with a freedom, with a cell phone. And they're, I think they're really sick of it. So are you looking to create a competing platform? Are you talking about user identity management? Or what, 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 what kind of direction are you heading in there to compete with that? Uh, so with that problem in mind, I, I wouldn't say competing. I want to say we, we want to do an exploration or experiment mm. from another way to addressing this problem, okay. uh, which, is, um, which is a serverless technology that brings us another angle to providing user services at the same quality of, uh, as a centralized, but also give a little bit more benefits. Okay. So let me describe some benefits that potentially might be there. So because we're on the road to discover, understand this nature. Yeah. So first is we do believe people. We don't think people are stupid anymore. So people are so well informed these days. We want to give the information rights and give information immutability back to people. It's up to people to control their data and how they're going to use and communicate with their communities, their yeah. fans. And secondly, we really trust community because I believe every community has value. For example, four of us today, so we have some certain value. Uh, for example, somebody wants to engage us because we have value, right? But the problem is how to bring this value, especially financial value, back to the community, back to four of us, or maybe 4,000 of us. So they're engaging a uh, value discovery. So a serverless technology, which is including blockchain, uh, blockchain is one of the substrate, one of the uh, building blocks for the serverless technology, are be able to help discover the community value through the coin circulation. So for example, if we run a community with like 1,000 people, 10,000 people, some third party want to do business or do some advertisement with it, rather than you talk to the community manager, you just can circulate in coins to buy those coins to make some services or make some advertisements. So these are the potential benefits. So one is um, we, we do a value discovery to a digital community. Second, we give immutability information back to individual users. So those are the kind of experiments we want to try. So build on that. Actually, uh, I think we can have a lot more uh, cre creative application be displayed. This actually goes down to why Cambridge. Um, so um, the reason that I think Cambridge is particularly attractive, uh, you know, I've been working in Silicon Valley for many years, also New York City, also Beijing. Uh, I think Cambridge is an international uh, hub for young people and entrepreneurs, uh, like entrepreneurs and all, all kind of talented people coming here to discover and exchange ideas and experiment on things like something like a serverless technology. Yeah. So, so once something getting um, accepted or burst uh, here, it can get many different angles, different perspectives on different culture systems from different uh, um, academic background to, to make many things happen. So I think for my job is I want to make a serverless technology stack really working in my particular application, which is a messenger, uh -huh. and maybe some other smarter students from, uh, actually there are already students coming to office uh, talking to me, they want to build like a, a, a serverless uh, uh, GitHub, yeah. serverless YouTube, things like that. So, um, so this really can um, bring this idea out and more people coming. And actually one of the um, Mark Zuckerberg's quote I really like is, uh, he talked, you, you have to throw yourself into some people smarter than you. Mm -hmm. um, so then, you know, we grow together. 
So this actually can be very much attractive to me. Okay. I'll ask one more question on the product, and then maybe, uh, Adelina, you can pick up on the Cambridge side of things. So just just to check my understanding then, in terms of user management and identity, you know, you talk about the the user being back in control of their own data, uh, whereas today that data is held by third parties. Um, are you thinking of having the ability then of the user being able to kind of grant access or deny access to that data for usage on other services through APIs or, or other mechanisms? Or are you thinking about creating a, a distinct kind of uh, uh, use case for that? That information. I think we're really like uh, working, looking at a, a new way to look at the data has been perceived today. Mm-hmm. So when data doesn't have any server, which means the data all back to your personal devices. Yeah. So we're very lucky that the, the personal devices has grown so fast. Mm-hmm. So today everyone has four gigabytes, which was a server configuration. Yeah. <laughs> Ten years ago, yeah. even five years ago. So each phone has so much power to be able to handle um, the the data. So um, especially for um, the way people um, dealing with uh, their personal data and also community data and what the information they want, what information they don't want. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a software provider's uh, skill or uh, function functionality like APIs to providing users with that capability. Yeah. Comparing to today, you don't really have that capability. For example, there are a lot of platforms talking about, okay, I'm going to screen the content for you, mm-hmm. but how do you know what content I need? Yeah. So rather than I trust third-party platform, they screen the content. Of course, when they screen the content, they do they do something else, right? <laughs> they do control, and also they get money out of it. So rather than that, why don't you give the freedom to me and let let user make options? So if I don't like certain pictures, I just say I don't like it. I don't need to talk to somebody else. Say okay, so uh, Mr. Zuckerberg, would you please help make a decision on for me to delete those pictures? And what if they don't really do a good job? Right. So, so this will bring a new way of looking at that. So this give a particular challenge, new challenge for the, the, the user uh, applications, APIs to reach next level. Yeah. So this is, I think, it's, it's a new, le- new revolution of uh, personal computing. Okay. So you need to provide more content on the edge rather than the more control, I mean, more capability on the edge rather than a complexity on a server and somebody else remote in Silicon Valley make decisions. You think about this one ridiculous thing. Like, in, like, you know, we know the t- tourism industry right now is in, in deep trouble. So why someone in Cambridge make a booking in Cambridge and they have to pay 20% to Silicon Valley? Yeah. So why that's happening? So it's, it has nothing to do with them, right? So you right. still pay 20%. I mean, do you think you're going to have quite a, a, a burden, if you like, of marketing to change people's understanding and behavior? Because I, I kind of agree with you that we're falling into this kind of situation where people seem to be willing to trade away their privacy and control for free services, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, where the social networks have built yeah. their momentum. So do you feel like there's a market education job to be done to ch- kind of change that perception? Um, I think some of that backlash is starting to happen. Yeah. And certainly regulators, you know, in Europe are talking about the concerns around dominance by a, a number of key players. I mean, do you want to kind of ride on those coattails? I... Uh Certainly, any company, like a startup company like me, we need a lot of marketing and yeah. uh, education to customers. Uh, but I think in my case, it should be easier um, than other type of uh, uh, products because I think there's overhanging concern from in, in, in every people's mind that we're kind of giving up too much uh, to the big tech. Mm-hmm. And uh, every entrepreneur thinking, well, we're paying too much rent to get into traffic flow. And uh, you, you, whatever content you put on, 
whatever content you put on your website, you're concerned whether this content will be deleted for somebody with some deletion power. So I think we have these receivers out there. So once our information goes there, and also when our product is really working, <laughs> I'm still working on product at this moment, it's really working, so the information will go through. That's what I'm hoping for at least. Just to pause the conversation a second and tell you a little bit more about the changes we're making at the Bradfield Centre, we now offer a whole range of new flexible membership packages which support home workers, hybrid home working blended with access to high quality office space and meeting room hire by the hour. Starting from as little as £45 per month, visit bradfieldcentre.com for more information or call 01223 919 600. David, I'm wondering, why do you think this is the, the right time to start this sort of service, considering how things have been going the last 10, 15 years with Facebook and all those companies? I, I really like these questions. Why now? Okay. Um, so it's really the, the maturity of certain key technology components bring us here. I think that's the number one reason, the ability. We actually were at the time that we have this ability on the personal devices. So I, I would say there are three building blocks. Let me get more technical here. So the first one we have to thanks to Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is a technology be able to build consensus without any servers. And these days people are really realizing that Bitcoin did that uh, delivers promising. It's uh, immutability and uh, uh, pretty high security that you know Bitcoin price reached this high so it's, it's a proven successful technology but it has this technology has its own bottleneck which is a scaling so the tech, second technology which is really uh, help uh, has huge mature stage is the torrent video sharing technology so torrent video sharing technology is solving the scaling issue right so 20 30 percent global internet traffic is running on torrent right now and there are many parts of on this planet they cannot access YouTube or Netflix. Torrent is their only way to access Western movies. So Torrent technology has been very successful. The third thing is the, the ARM architecture, mm -hmm. the ARM architecture, which is here <laughs> in Cambridge again. So uh, they really enabled personal device to have a super high computing power and the net networking ability. So these three building blocks all together actually brings the freedom, bring, bring the uh, computing equilibrium uh, back to human, uh, back to people. So I think that's a technology readiness at this moment. I think we're, we're standing in, in this time frame. The second uh, uh, reason for that is I come back to the, 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 the social consensus that we, we have some problem with a big tech monopoly. So we have this problem and we have this technology ability. So I think Tal Cambridge, uh, which is my new startup, we're yep. at a very good position to uh, make it happen. I don't have to claim we have to be the final uh, successful uh, company. We just want to throw the idea there because I didn't invent Torrent, I didn't invent Bitcoin, I didn't invent ARM. So I just want to put it together. And uh, all our, for example, all our source are open source, um, uh, free open source code, everything I have, you have that right now. So we just want to throw this idea to the community. Okay, let's see what's happening. So that's why, why now. So can I ask a follow-up question about that? Because I'm, I'm someone who likes to be very, very specific. Yes, please. Um, can you give me a, a specific example of a, the journey of the user changing from what it's like now to what it would be like if they were using your product? Okay, so let, let's go back to an economical person. So I, I wouldn't pay a penny to use a new product for me in my cart. I wouldn't do that. It doesn't matter. You're serverless, you're, you're blessed, it doesn't matter. Uh, but I would pay a penny to make $1. I would definitely do that. So how I'm going to do that? So I'm 
Okay, I, I as a uh, professional person or some um, artistic person, so I have my fans, I have my communities. So these days, I just posting my pictures on YouTube, whatever, so I get nothing back. So with Tao, you actually you can build your own personal community, and when your community grows, the value, intrinsic value of this community accumulates. For, for a lot of artists, you can spend like three, five, six, uh, ten years working on something, and you have this community support, and there's certain value in it. In our case, we're providing ability to issue, say, say a million coins, which is fixed, non-inflatable. Which once it's issued, it's mathematically fixed. So you can circulate in those coins within your community, and when somebody wants to do business or make advertisement, they will have to purchase in those coins from your community, not necessarily from you, not necessarily from you as an issuer. Could it could be they purchase these coins from your fans, someone accumulating coins a days ahead. So this actually create the, the the marginal trading value for this coin determines your your over uh, I would say commonwealth uh, the the value of commonwealth of your community. So for that, some some people may switch their Platform to a economy rather than a a digital group, which eventually will go into sloppy because there's no money in it. So I think that's one case for uh, for some people with fans, like you know Roger Federer, right? If Roger Federer built this community, I would definitely be in it. I want to own some coins like Roger Federer coins, <laughs> so he could be make a couple. You know, he probably doesn't care millions, but you know, he could make some money. All right. Um, so um, the second one is actually which is more, I would describe more violent ideas, uh, because intrinsically for this kind of startup, there's risks. The risks from controlling big platform. So this could be big tech or big, then bigger tech. <laughs> so there, there are certain um, uh, control, and given what's happening there, for example, in Indonesia, there, the people there, they cannot use Reddit. Uh, in Russia, and they're technically, they cannot use many, many services. I don't want to talk about China. So. Um, so in those cases, this technology is really the only way for people to communicate. So I wouldn't want to exaggerate how important communication is. So this will be the only way a people can communicate with their community. So I think that will be a essential to use it, not even money, monetary. Interesting. So you started to touch on why Cambridge. Um, you know, you've also had experience of being in the United States, in China. So. How did you make the decision on Cambridge? Did you did you just kind of see the the, the, the potential of Cambridge while you, you were in the States or, or China? Or was it just a question of coming with no agenda and seeing what was here? You know, how, how did you go through that process of identifying the opportunity of Cambridge? Uh, first of all, uh, Cambridge is very efficient for me because English is a default language. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so very fast. So if I choose other uh, non-English countries, it's going to be difficult for me for living. Uh -huh. uh, and secondly, uh, Cambridge has so many successful tech startup companies like Arm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and also I do believe young, international young talents. Yeah. So when they come in together, there got to be something. Uh -huh. um, so the university is really the place that I think one is I can get my initial uh, group, social group that we can discuss and talk. Yep. And secondly, so the people can carry on with this serverless technology. So my vision or my imagination, well, technically, I, there's no way I can do this in Beijing uh -huh. or Shanghai. It's just not possible. All right. Otherwise, I would do there. Uh -huh. So um, out of there, so Silicon Valley and Cambridge, I think Cambridge implies a much better uh, potential. Uh, for this new idea. So for example, if Tao becomes successful, say the company hitting 100 million US dollar valuation, which is very likely, you know, my, my previous companies are hitting higher than that. Yeah. So those are like uh, half 
billion dollar companies out there. So um, this, this concept can have immediate audience. They can take that concept and build their own thing. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine there could be like hundreds of startup companies using this serverless technology yeah. to build a variety of things. Then the Breakfield Center will be busy. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're busy. <laughs> and um, how are you working with the university? Have you started that process of engaging with students and faculty? Uh, yes, I had, t- I had uh, made a, a very little speech on this uh, uh, Cambridge University uh, Entrepreneur uh, Club, yep. Yep. Uh, also their VC club. Uh, I already receiving very uh, warm welcome, and there, there are three PhD students they are contacting me, talking about uh, maybe doing something with their society. Okay. Uh, and the, the, cur- cur- the, 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 the pure curiosity from an engineering point of view, but because we didn't really dive into engineering pr- today, yeah. so there's so much we can talk about, mm-hmm. and the students are just be interested in this uh, and uh, also I've been uh, in uh, I'm applying uh, the, the, the Judge B school Judge, yeah. uh, Judge B school for their entrepreneur uh, tech program mm-hmm. so I want to engage with their um, talents to discover what are the potentials and risks on, on this thing uh, in terms of uh, social 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 media change and a business uh, impact and what's your experience how long have you been in Cambridge now uh, I've been here three months now. Three months. And what's yeah. the welcome been like? Has it been easy to adjust and to settle in? And I, I won't come yeah, here earlier. Problem. Actually, there's technical. There's no way to get in. Uh-huh. So three yeah. months. I think I'm, I'm, I'm on the first flight coming to yeah, yeah, <laughs> to yeah. British uh, when the ports open. Yeah. yeah. And but those three months have been positive. You felt like you've been welcomed, and uh, and it's been easy to meet people in Cambridge. Uh, getting proof of address, getting bank accounts open is really painful. <laughs> but until I paid the Cambridge City Council tax, everything cleared. <laughs> so I got my <laughs> council tax bill, which is very expensive. Tick that box, yeah. Yeah, but, but after that, everything getting smooth lies. Uh, you know, the weather's really good. And I joined the tennis club here. I'm uh, going to a tournament. Uh, sports is very important for entrepreneurship. So it's give you the endurance because this is a, this is a long time game. This is not like three months. It's, this is ten years plan. Oh. So you need health to uh, sustain. That. Okay. Yeah. Slowly, surely. Interesting. Yeah. So you've been here only three months. I presume your your experience of the Cambridge startup ecosystem, including the Bradfield Centre, is not huge by the sounds of it. Especially if you started during lockdown. Is that what you're saying? That it's not really haven't had a chance to meet huge amounts of people or really understand how it all works in here. I did a lot of research online, and I compared Oxford Science Park as well remotely uh, in France, in San Francisco. So uh, I think uh, I think I made the right decision given all the data I collected online. So can I can I check actually perhaps what are the three things that made you there we go collapse onto Cambridge <laughs> and not three things. Oxford or, or or Silicon Valley? Okay, uh, okay, there are different level are comparison. You for, you can, uh, are you working for the tourist board or something? <laughs> <laughs> That's my second job now. <laughs> yeah. I'm more on the uh, university system of UK rather than Cambridge to Oxford. You know, I, I'm not an f- expert on this. Uh, somehow, Cambridge Science Park is much bigger. And uh, Breffield Center, as a co-working place, I, I like your website design. Okay. <laughs> Very Thank nice you. pictures. And, uh, Shout out to One Space Media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also, I, I like uh, the... Um, uh, you have many, many companies here, so I wouldn't feel alone, uh-huh. uh, and I can talk to folks. Yeah. So that that's actually uh, that's that's my expectation, and I, it turned out to be true. I think that's uh, first the UK university system first, uh, and secondly is uh, the um, uh, I would say safety, because uh, uh, in this world right now, it's just so so much problems. 
and uh, uh, Cambridge seems to be very safe, a very yeah. low uh, infection rate for the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I, I relatively, I feel very free. Mm -hmm. uh, and thirdly, I think here is um, uh, the natural, uh, natural resource, the, the traffic system and uh, everything just uh, very fitting for living. The, the cost of the, the efficiency of living is very high, it's very good. You're very efficient to reaching everywhere. One hour to London, airports, yeah. train. There's two train stations here. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say this is the lowest cost place. <laughs> it's actually quite expensive, <laughs> but you, you pay what you get, right? Sure, mm -hmm. sure, sure. So, um, you know, you, you've given us some insights in terms of what you're working on. Sounds like it's still fairly, fairly early stages for you. So whereabouts are you kind of then on the, on the product journey? I mean, are, are you hiring yet? Are you putting a call out for kind of uh, researchers to, to support you in the work? You know, how can we help get word out for you for your next kind of milestones? Uh, in, in terms of serverless messenger, it's fairly new. Uh, but in terms of technology curiosity exploration, I've been doing that for more than a year. Yeah. So we've been studying all this uh, serverless technology uh, before coming here. So I have a team of uh, six C++ programmer. Mm -hmm. uh, they're all working on GitHub. Okay. GitHub is so efficient. To, yeah. uh, basically, we're working around hours. And also we have... Uh, about 6,000 fans already on our Telegram and our uh, trading platform. So they've been giving me a lot of support on the feedback and the testing of the, of the product. So actually this week, we're looking at launching our first app, which is going to demonstrate the core engine, which is very technical. It's, uh, the fans are going to love it. So we're going to deliver that hopefully this week. Uh, by end of this quarter, uh, actually fourth quarter, by end of this fourth quarter, I hope I, we can have the full product released. So it's actually we're approaching the MVP, yeah. the minimum viable product. We're approaching that time to be, to be released. So in terms of help, uh, I think uh, I'm really looking for uh, a discussion with the local community, mm -hmm. uh, Cambridge University, different societies. I just want to get my ideas out uh, and just getting different ideas come back. I'm not, I'm not worried about uh, uh, raising money at this moment because mm -hmm. I, personally, first I, I personally am funding this project. I have prepared enough uh, to sustain, yep. <laughs> I hope. Uh, so I'm more interested on these uh, new ideas, smarter, I, smarter minds coming to contributing yeah. uh, to this thing. Even if they like this idea, they do something else, totally irrelevant to Tao. I think it's still, still very good. Yeah. yeah. And are you going to use the same principles for your own community around the product? Are you going to be potentially releasing a Tao coin so people, fans of your product and service, can, can almost invest, if you like? Uh, yeah, the, the, the Tao community itself, the business model is actually very clear. Yeah. So once we have the community, uh, they built their own community on, uh, using our technology. First of all, they don't, we don't text them. Mm -hmm. So when you build your community, like say um, uh, James community, mm -hmm. I don't have your coins at all. Okay. So you just use our software for free. Yep. So I think once more and more people use that, we will become a center of discussion uh -huh. and we'll become like something like app store uh -huh. or news store. So we don't force you, but if you want to get your idea out to more people, you're going to buy my coins to, to advertise that, right? Right. So I think that, that business model is very clear. Okay. You know, like how much money App Store is making. So I'm not worried about that. Mm. So I'm more worried about the technology. So whether we can do a good job to give a really efficient, low resource footprint technology yeah. running on the cell phone. So we're looking at a, a typical cell phone running like a thousand communities, which is a very high techni te technical challenge mm. for us. Okay. Yeah. David, it's a lovely meeting you. Thank you so much for your, your time and congratulations for the other um, serial ventures that you've been involved in. It sounds like you know what you're doing. I hope so. <laughs> it's been a fantastic conversation, so thanks for taking Thank the you. time. Thank you. 
so another really interesting conversation there with David. Um, you know, a lot of interesting points to think about there. I think, you know, fascinating to have a serial entrepreneur in the building that's um, successfully floated two businesses in China. Uh, really interesting. And I think, you know, this could be a signal of more companies, more entrepreneurs looking at the opportunity to take on the big four technology companies as people get more thoughtful about the ownership of their data and, you know, security and privacy and all those kinds of things. So, you know, watch this space for David's uh, product. I found it really interesting what made him select Cambridge. Um, he was quite analytical about it. And one of the key factors that intrigued me the most was the fact that um, safety said there's low infection rate of um, COVID in Cambridge. And that was one of the key reasons why he decided to come to Cambridge in the middle of the pandemic. As someone who had COVID, I found that really interesting. It had never occurred to me that people start making business decisions based on um, COVID and how that might impact their lives. Um, and also the fact that he mentioned the efficiency for living and having two train stations to go to London and access other places. I thought that was really interesting as well. Yeah, you kind of take those things for granted if you live in the city the whole time, but it's uh, obviously um, attractive. Yeah, completely. And Cambridge Bubble um, seems to be doing well. <laughs> Thank you to David Wu today for joining us on the podcast. You can listen to the show in our previous episodes by searching for Inside the Bradfield Centre on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher and now Amazon Music or by visiting bradfieldcentre.com. Bradfield Centre.